You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. Welcome to this episode of Around the King's Table. I'm Brian. And I'm George. And with us tonight, I think it's the first time we've ever had a tonight one. I think so. Okay. With us tonight is Dave Hare uh, and his wife, Stacy. Dave and Stacy are Bible translators and missionaries in Cameroon. And as they happen to be on furlough, it's worked out that Dave, you could join us tonight and then tomorrow to preach for us and kick off our missions week as a church. So thanks for making the trip. And for taking time out to be with us. Yep. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, now, Dave, when it comes to linguistics and whatnot, I quickly move out of my depths, whereas George, <laughs> I think, really begins to enter into his. So I'm he totally, has come I'm up, stoked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has come up with some specifics to ask you. But first, how about you just introduce us uh, to you and Stacy and your family and uh, your journey towards Cameroon and your ministry over the last, was it seven, seven or eight years now that you've been... Yeah, well, let me just tell you. So we, um, my name is Dave, and my mm-hmm. wife Stacy and I are uh, working in Cameroon, Africa, as Bible translators. And uh, we met in college and uh, in California, and then went to Southern Seminary. And it was at Southern Seminary that we decided to pursue Bible translation. And uh, we graduated from seminary in two thousand nine, and then uh, ended up with an agency called World Team. And we started with World Team in 2012, but we didn't end up in Cameroon until 2013. Hmm. And we've spent a total of seven years in the village during that time. Um, so 10 years we've been with uh, World Team, and then seven of those have been in the village. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So we'll move into questions. Sure. All right. right. So, George, you have your questions. Okay. So yeah. if you could talk to us uh, about language and translation work. Um, what all went into your training for um, this kind of ministry? Sure. Yeah, so my wife and I went to Bible college, and uh, I studied film, but I also studied Bible, and my wife was also a Bible major. So that's kind of where we started with our Bible in undergraduate school. We went to Southern Seminary, and we did a uh, Master's of Divinity there. Um, after that, we did what's called a Certificate of Applied Linguistics, okay. uh, which was at a school called GIAL, the Graduate Institute of Applied Linguistics in oh. Dallas, Texas. Okay. Excellent. We then uh, spent our first term on the field learning the Kwakum language and writing down a whole bunch of data. And we brought that back to Dallas and finished a master's degree in applied linguistics, analyzing the Kwakum language. So okay. that was the overall educational process. Okay. Any uh, odd distinctives about Kwakum that you want to kind of touch on? Yeah, well, we decided, I mean, this isn't the only reason, but one of the reasons we wanted to go to Africa was because we wanted to avoid tonal languages. Okay. And then we found out there's actually more tonal languages in Africa than there are in Asia. So (laughs) Kwakum is a tonal language, who would have thought? Mm -hmm. Um, It has noun classes, so a lot of languages will have masculine and feminine or maybe masculine, feminine, neuter nouns. Kwakum has nine different noun classes, and so it's not as easy to differentiate as like mask and feminine, it's it's divided into nine different noun classes, yeah. uh, which affects every sentence that you ever say. So you have to process through what classes you're using. So yeah, it's a Bantu or semi-Bantu language. Okay, so, okay. that makes sense. Yeah, and for 
people who don't know what that is, what is that? Yeah, the Bantu languages are a, a broad spectrum of hundreds of languages that span across uh, Africa. Yeah. And it's uh, the idea is that people believe now is that there was kind of one language in the beginning that would have started in Cameroon, Nigeria, in that area, <laughs> which is now, they call it Proto-Bantu. Yeah. And then that has divided and developed over time all throughout. I mean, all the way from where we are to South Africa, you have Bantu languages. If you if you saw Black Panther the movie, they mm -hmm. speak a language called Osa in that in that movie, which is a Bantu language. That's so, really cool. Can you do that again? Yes, yeah, Osa. <laughs> it's wow. a click that acts if you read the, the name <laughs> of it. So, yeah, lots of Bantu languages. They're all related, but all different as well. So, okay, mm -hmm. that's cool. very that's that's very interesting. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, can you take us through the process of translation for those who aren't you know maybe more I mean, as familiar with what yeah. it takes to kind of interact with a new language. Sure. When we first moved in, so this would have been 2014, when we first moved into Aquacum Village, they didn't have a writing system at all. Okay. So uh, the, like I mentioned before, our first three years were pretty much only learning. Uh, we mm -hmm. were learning the language. We were writing down what we heard. We had fortunately done that Certificate of Applied Linguistics first, which gave us the tools that we needed to learn a language that's not written down and also to write down a language. There's something called the International Phonetic Alphabet. And so we were able to write down what we were hearing. Um, and then um, after that process, we were able to help the Kwakum develop a writing system. So we didn't want to just say, hey, here's your writing system. But we sp spent all this time in analysis and we gave them different options and they chose a writing system. Okay. So that was around 2018. And uh, after that, we, we started uh, developing literacy materials and translating the Bible. Uh, when we wanted to translate the Bible, we were thinking, let's start with the New Testament because we want to get people to Jesus right away. But all throughout our first term, we realized that the Kwakum basically know nothing about the Bible. Okay. And it's really hard to understand the New Testament if you don't know anything about the Old Testament. Yeah, no categories. It's hard to... Yeah. So just one example of that. Uh, I sat down with a, a bunch of guys at the beginning of our translation process. These are guys that have been in church. There, there are churches in Cameroon. Um, they had heard the Bible in French a number of times. And, um, and I asked them, you know, John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus, uh, he's standing in the Jordan. He looks up and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mm -hmm. And I said to them, these, again, these guys who even a couple of them are pastors. So they, they, they have church and I just said, what, in what way is Jesus like a lamb? And they just had no idea at all. Yeah. Uh, they came up with a couple ideas, but they were bad ideas. They just had no idea. And at the end of the day, if you don't know that there was a sacrificial system, if you don't know that God called the Israel to sacrifice lambs at times um, because of their sins, yep. you don't understand why John the Baptist would call Jesus uh, the Lamb of God. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so... With that understanding, we decided instead to do to start with what's called chronological Bible storing. So we've taken we are using a curriculum developed by Ethnos 360, which used to be called New Tribes, okay. and it's chronological Bible storing, taking 80 stories out of the Bible from creation to ascension. We're translating those stories and then leading the people through them to understand who God is, understand the sacrificial system, understand the law, those sort of things, so that they can understand who Jesus is. Okay. So. That's how we decided what we're translating. And so now we've chosen these stories. I spend about 40 hours probably um, on each of these stories preparing a text that I'll work with my team. 
So I say I'm a Bible translator, but uh, in the Bible translation world, I'm more of what's called a Bible translation advisor, mm -hmm. because you don't want me translating things into Bakun, because uh, I'm not a native speaker. I wouldn't do a good job. Sure. You want native speakers translating, but they don't mm -hmm. know the Bible. Uh, they don't know linguistics. And so someone needs to be there to guide them and help them mm -hmm. to translate it well. And so I spend 40 hours studying a text, preparing it. Um, and there's one principle in translation that's very serious is you can't translate something you don't understand. Okay. And so I spend an enormous amount of time making sure I understand it and then making sure I can help them understand it. Mm -hmm. And so I work with my team. I have four guys I work with. We spend three to four days on each story um, and we come up with the first rough draft in Kwakum. Most of that time is spent understanding the text, applying the text to our lives, thinking through the implications of the text. Um, and then we, uh, we do everything orally. Um, we're trying to start off with something that's natural. So I then, we, me we, we don't memorize the story, but we internalize the story mm -hmm. so that they have all the elements of the story in their heart. We write on the board, we act out skits, we do all sorts of things to get the story into their heart so that then they can just retell the story in Bakun. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then I have all four of my guys retell the story. Uh, Orally, I record it on my computer, uh -huh. and then I pick one of those four, and we listen to it, and we go phrase by phrase to see if we've we've missed anything, if we've accidentally changed something, if we added something, and we do that until we feel like we're satisfied with it, and then we write it down. Uh, we do some more checks on it to see if we've missed anything else, and then we give it to the team that's led by my wife, and they do a ton of checks on it, and then they also go and test it in villages. The checks are to make sure we're being faithful, and the testing is to make sure it's understood. Sure. That's the, the overall general process. Right. It then will come back and forth between the teams until we've come to a conclusion where we all feel like it's a good translation, and we'll send it to a consultant. That consultant will look over it and see if there's anything that they feel like we should uh, test again or check into or ask questions about kind of bounce back and forth between the consultants. And once they're satisfied, we're satisfied, then we publish it. And we print little booklets now with each story in it. Okay. Mm. Wow. Mm. This makes me all happy just to I hear. Know. Yep. I know you that, right? um, so what challenges have you faced? You kind of touched on this already a little bit, but what challenges have you faced in bridging sort of gaps, I guess, you know, this, this lack of categories, lack of, you know, kind of understanding. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. But, you know, yeah, biblical truth or language, um, community and social beliefs, maybe that, you know, kind of have to be bridged as you're dealing with scripture. Yeah. Um, what are some examples of, of something? Yeah, to deal I'll with? give you one really good example. And if you want more later, I can tell you more. Sure. But um, one of the biggest challenges we've come up with uh, has been that the Bakum don't have a word for gift. Okay. They don't have a word for grace. Okay. And what we learned throughout this process is that the, the problem is not linguistic. The problem is that they don't even have a concept in their culture for gift or grace. Okay. By the way, I refer to them as bakum or kwakum. Those terms are interchangeable, and I just use them interchangeably. Sure. Um, so as an example of this one time, we, we have um, about three years ago, we have a couple, a man and a woman, Ko and Mommy, that got saved. Ko grew up as an orphan. He just has very little family support. Uh, he decided to marry Mommy, his girlfriend, because he believed that's what God would want for their relationship. Marriage is not common among the bakum. Mm -hmm. And then... 
you know, he was reading the Bible, reading in Genesis. He's seeing that God wants him to leave and cleave, you know, and he's like, I'm living with my uncle. Like, what am I supposed to do to leave and cleave? So I was able to help him buy a small piece of land. For me, it wasn't very expensive. For him, it would have been very expensive. And then he wanted to build a house on that land for the two of them. And uh, they actually have a son as well. And um, he didn't know how to build a house. And normally you'd rely on your family to help you build your house, but he doesn't really have family to help him. So I spoke to my neighbor who's a a Christian in the church. He's a godly guy. He's actually a part of our translation team. And I said, here's our friend Co. He's a new believer. He's an orphan. He needs help. Would you help him build his house? And so my neighbor went over. He was very happy to do it. Went over, helped him, brought his sons. They all helped Co. build a house. It was really cool. And then my neighbor came back to me and said, okay, you can pay me now. And I was like... (laughs) Wait a minute. You, uh, you're a Christian. Your brother, an older brother in Christ. This is your brother in Christ, mm-hmm. and he needed help, and you helped him. Why would I pay you for that? And he was just absolutely bewildered that I would ask that question. And I said, well, what about your sons? What, what if one of your sons wanted to build a house and you helped him? Would you expect him to pay you? And he said, absolutely, I would expect him to pay you. <laughs> Maybe it wouldn't be money, but he'd have to give me something. You don't do something for free. So that's just a really clear example of how uh, the Kwakum don't have a concept for grace or gift, you know. And so what do you do with that? I mean, those are that's a pretty big concept in the Bible, right? Absolutely. Um, and that has been, I think, one of the biggest challenges is, is processing through that. Okay. Do, do you all have a, a proposed solution for how you all are doing that? We don't have a solution yet, okay, linguistically, spot, but <laughs> linguistically. We have been finding different ways that God has been moving that demonstrate grace. Okay. So most recently, uh, a new, uh, a young woman became a Christian who is crippled. Mm-hmm. And her life is just this great testimony that she has nothing to offer to God. You know, okay. she's, yeah. everyone knows she has nothing to offer God and yet God saved her. So there's little stories like that that we're, we're using to try to develop the concept Okay. And we'll figure out the linguistic part later. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Well, and, and too, I mean, that's grace is something that you all can demonstrate as well. Right. Yeah. There, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, there's a lot of fruitful, you know, possibilities there. I mean, for a culture that doesn't understand when you do start introducing grace is like, it is unimaginable. And, but it is in a good way where you can actually start relating. That is God's kind of. We don't deserve it. Yeah. Like we think we have to, we, I mean, in a sense, our culture does the same. We do have a concept, but we think so little of it Mm -hmm. because we are a, you know, I do this and I get my return back and that's how the world works. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, in processing these, I'm going to actually talk about this in my sermon a little bit. Processing through these concepts has helped me realize that even as Americans who have had the English Bible for hundreds of years, there's a lot of these concepts that we use the words, and I don't know if we really know what they mean. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I got it. Okay. Are you done? I think that's, that's it for my questions okay, for that. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> can you share? Mine are always the tear jerkers. Mm-hmm. Like, that's oh, what whatever. I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm back in the tears. <laughs> uh, can you share with us what's been especially difficult about your work and how you've seen Christ's faithfulness uh, through those things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, whatever you can share. Yeah, sure. 
No, um, being in America is amazing mm-hmm. uh, because we are surrounded by believers. Um, yeah. We're at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Louisville right now and just constantly be, can be around people who are Christians. And it's it brings me to tears because it, it's a reminder uh, where we live and how much we are. There's so few believers around us. So when we moved to Cameroon, we moved to live with an unreached people group. Yeah. And that's what we went, we went to do. But sometimes you just don't really realize what that means, you know. American culture, as far as we are from from Christ as a nation, mm-hmm. our culture has been touched by the Bible and the gospel in so many ways. Yeah. And so just even the little things, like when I'm walk, going on a walk in Louisville, people greet me and say hi to me and are kind to me. And that is a kindness I, I never get in Cameroon. Um, the mm-hmm. Kwakum people are a very violent people, and they... Um, they really love violence. When, when two people will get into a physical fight in the village, um, everyone will run to watch, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, it's, it's, it's just hard. It's hard just for me as a man, I have to go out and stop other men from beating their wives mm. in the streets. I have oh. to break up fist fights. And I even bought handcuffs because one of my neighbors, when, whenever he would get drunk, would just go out and, and hurt people. Mm. And um, I'm bigger than all of them. And so I'm able to go out there and wrestle <laughs> them down and handcuff them um, and stop them from hurting people. Mm. Um, but it's just difficult and it weighs on you. You know, we spent four, this last term, four full years in in the village and it just weighs on you to constantly I just have to always constantly be aware listening in case there's some time I need to stop someone from hurting someone else and um, and yeah it's hard raising your kids there you know uh, one time we were watching my son play soccer with uh, some of his friends in the front yard and a younger boy fell down and hurt himself and started to cry and Stacy said Caden, go go pick your friend up and help him help him play, you know get back up and play and and Caden just looked at her in horror and said that's not how you play the game you don't pick people up you don't help other people and that was kind of one of the first times I really realized that for my kids living among the culture affects them too. Second enculturation it is yeah, yeah that's a hard and I mean they're living with us and and I would think like these lessons that we teach them are rubbing off but yeah. but the neighbors are rubbing off too you know mm-hmm. and so as a father it's hard for me you know to to raise my kids and want them to um, want them to know what it's like to live as a Christian when they're surrounded by people who are not so yeah mm. okay well can you tell us what's been especially rewarding about your work yeah it's interesting I um, I've talked to lots of different missionaries and just thought through methodology and and who it is that um, that you should be seeking out and pursuing in, on the mission field um, and a lot of people uh, there's several different mission agencies that have very specifically targeted the the influencers in society so they're working in the capitals they're they're in they're working with um, government officials, chiefs, fathers, and the idea is kind of if you uh, get these influence, influencers saved, they will save right. those people they influence. You know, they mm-hmm. will lead them to Christ as well. Right. I'm not saying that's a bad methodology at all, but it's been really amazing to see that that's not what God's been doing in our ministry at all, but instead it's it's absolutely the weakest. It's the crippled people. It's the orphans. It's mm-hmm. the illiterate. And... Hmm. I think it's just been amazing to see 
God's love for these people that the world has no idea even exists. Um, God has not forgotten them and he, he's saving them. We haven't even gotten to the new Testament yet. And God is saving them um, because every word of scripture is breathed out by God and is useful, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and even these old Testament stories are changing lives and bringing people to Christ. And it's, Mm. it's awesome. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Any outstanding or, perhaps even humorous stories you can share with us, particular to life amongst the Quaking people. Yeah. It's like snakes in your house. and I can tell snake stories. (laughs) I don't know if you want funny or scary. Um, No snake stories. That's all right. (laughs) No snake stories. My daughter would be fine with that, but not me. One of the funniest things about being a missionary, you go to all this training. I just told you about all the training I had. And then I go into this village in in Cameroon, and I can't even talk like a baby. You know? I, I come into their villages, and I can't even say hello, you know? And I just constantly look like an idiot. You know, it's been a long time now, so I, I hope I'm not constantly looking like an idiot anymore. But at the beginning, it was always like that. And we, one of the things, polygamy is fairly common in Cameroon. And we would have, from time to time, uh, we had at one point, there was a, an older woman, a missionary that came and stayed with us for a while. Uh, we've had young women come and stay with us. And I want to make sure every time one of these women comes and stays with us that they know I'm not taking on another wife. That, um, that's very important yeah. to me. And so the very first time this happened, I had not been in the language for very long. And I I want to introduce this woman who's coming to stay with us, this other missionary, older woman. I want to introduce her to the people in the village. And I walk her, I walk her up to one of my neighbors. First thing I said, I said, hi, I just wanted to introduce you to our wife. In Kwakum is what I said. I was trying to say our friend, but I said our wife. It was the very first thing that I said. And it's just, it's a constantly, and then how do you backtrack from that? You know, I've just done the, I've just yeah. said the exact opposite of yeah. what I wanted to say. Just throwing it out there. How do you take it back? <laughs> right. Yeah. And Stacey was with me and she's like, Dave, no. The difference between wife is ngual and friend is nyal. Yeah. So they sound pretty similar and especially in the beginning. And I've just, I just constantly do that i just and what it's been nice to though is is it makes me yeah. it humbles me and it makes the people know that i need them mm-hmm. um i need them to help me speak the language so it's been good and funny and embarrassing That's awesome. <laughs> my wife has us we were in uh, we both ind- independently went to ukraine doing missions okay and so we both studied a little bit of russian before going i was so happy with her because she was doing a great job she ended up talking to a, a cash register lady and tried to say spasiba but she said sabaka which is basically dog okay in <clears throat> russian and so it, it just i was so happy because it was the right sibilant with a plosive or right. bilabial i was like this is awesome actually that you remember that part right don't worry about the fact that it was the <laughs> wrong word i don't think anybody cared yeah <laughs> Yeah, the worst though is when you say something and everyone laughs, but you don't know, you don't what know you why. Said. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what I said wrong. Yeah, yeah, that happens in English too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it does. One thing I've learned is the more languages I speak, yeah. the the worse I speak all of the languages that I speak, including English. That is that's fair. How many do you speak at this point? Well, I've studied Greek and Hebrew, and then obviously speak English, and then French and Kwaku. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I now get them all mixed up and don't speak any of them well. That's fair. Yeah. You've mentioned some of this already, uh, but how have you seen uh, the word uh, going to work in this people, uh, the society around them? Have you seen uh, the gospel, your gospel labors transforming? 
folks and yeah. since you've been there again was it seven or eight years right Nine seven years, years in the village yeah, yeah that we've right. actually been present yeah. yeah yeah it's been amazing to see the word of god working and um yeah, there's uh, there's several people who have gotten saved. So as we're speaking the truth, there, there's already some uh, understanding of the Bible yeah. from people in Cameroon because there are churches there. Yeah. Um, but the churches there teach the prosperity gospel. Right. Um, they teach work salvation. And so people have a wrong understanding. They have a wrong cultural understanding of who God is. And then they add on a wrong understanding of that they're getting from their churches. And so, yeah. And so as we're teaching the truth of what who God is and what yeah. the Bible is, it's very different. And very often people will say to us, this is not the God that we've been taught. Um, and some people mm. will say that and it's like, get away from me. I don't want to hear it. Mm. But some of them long to hear it mm. we had um a couple people we were interviewing people to be on our translation team and several of the people who ended up being a part of our team i don't think they were believers but they basically said i i want to know god i know that i can learn about him from the bible i don't know what the bible says but i will do anything to learn and we've been able to watch even on our translation team we've been able to watch lives changed i told you just a moment ago about co Ko was, when I first met him, he was um, he was often drunk, very angry person. He had been able to get a few construction jobs and gotten fired because he would yell at his bosses. Just a very angry person. He would beat his girlfriend, Mommy. Um, he he was just, he did drugs. He was on out. That's her name, right? Mommy it's is. It's not girlfriend, Mommy. Right. No, yeah, no. But it's, mommy's the name. Mommy's right. the name of the okay. girlfriend, yeah. And... Um, he was, yeah, he was, I actually, my first conversation I ever had with him, I was threatening him yeah. and saying, if you hit mommy again, then we're going to have a problem. That was my first conversation with yeah. him. And um, you would not recognize him today. Hmm. He is a completely different creature because God has used his word and he's a, he started off as illiterate, never been to school, orphan, yeah. violent, mean person. And through mommy getting saved... And she would read the Bible to him in French because mm. she could read. And then through him coming and starting to do Bible studies with us, coming to be a part of our translation project, God has saved him. And now my dog, I have a dog, prefers to live at his house because he has become a gentle, kind person mm. that mm. is just caring not only for humans, but for, for animals. Mm. And he takes in orphans into his own home. Yeah. And now he has aspirations to be a pastor. And he just loves the word of God. Wow. He's learned to read in Bakum and he's studying the, the, the stories that we've translated and just, he is a new creature. And yeah. Uh, that is, I think, I think the transformative nature of the word of God is the most clear evidence um, that we can give uh, to the truth of the Bible. Yeah. Because the Bi people don't change. Kwakum people don't change. Right. And yet, Ko is a new creature. And that just testifies that, that it, God is true. Yeah. He's capable. Yeah, that's really good. We actually have an apologetics panel coming up. Uh, at the midpoint of our missions week, and the focus of it is going to be on the nature of Scripture, mm -hmm. the Bible as the Word of God. And so we'll be speaking to some of those things. Did you know Chad Ashby? Mm -hmm. Okay, so Chad's coming to, to be a part of that. Okay. Yeah, so great. looking forward to that, but mm -hmm. a great point about, about that. Absolutely. Um, how is your own ministry related to other organizations, missionary efforts in, in the area? Yeah, well, we're with an organization called World Team, and right. World Team is a church planting organization. Yeah. Um, but we are... 
our main goal, our main job is Bible translation, but the end goal for us, just like with every team with the world team is not a translated Bible. The end goal is a uh, self-sustaining national led church. Mm-hmm. And so how do you have a self-sustaining national led church if they don't understand the Bible? Right. You don't. So our main goal, our main job is translation, but our goal is, is church planting really. And so that's one reason we love world team is because the, the goal is church planting. We are on our team. The Kwakum team is me and my wife right now. Uh, we've been praying for more people in that uh, for a long time, but the Lord just hasn't provided in that way. We get lots of support from, um, from SIL Wycliffe, um, they're kind of the, the big name in Bible translation mm-hmm. and they give us all kind of linguistic support, consultant support, all sorts of support. Yeah. Um, but like day to day life on the field, it's really just, uh, Stacy and I. Yeah. Yeah. How does your work then interact with the work of local churches in Cameroon? Yeah. Our, our goal right I now is to understand the geography. So you're, yeah. you're out sort of in a rural mm-hmm. village. Yes. And there's not a church in the village, right? There is. There yeah. Is. There's okay. this is actually something I'm going to mention in the okay. in church tomorrow. But yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there are lots of churches among the Kwakum. But again, they're not right. teaching the true gospel. Right. Um, but what we've done is recruit people from as many villages and many churches as we can to be a part of the project. Okay. And the goal is that as we're translating these people, if they're not saved, they'll be saved. And then all of them can be taking the word of God into their churches in a language people are understanding. Um, and so in, on my team that does drafting, two of the drafters are pastors already. Um, Ko, I believe one day will be a pastor as well. He's also on my team. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that eventually the Lord will use um, us to help equip Ko to plant a church in, in a village that doesn't have a faithful church. Um, so... Right now, we're not really doing church planting. We're working, trying to work with the churches that already exist as much as we can. But there's really no churches that are just taught in Kwakum by people who know the Word of God. And so I think there is still going to be a need to plant at least one new church where there can be Kwakum people learning about the Bible in Kwakum by a person who is trained in his Kwakum. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh... Can you tell us how folks can support y'all, support your ministry? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're really actually very blessed right now in that we've uh, we've been on the on support for 10 years. And throughout that entire time, the Lord has provided through the churches and individuals that support us so much so that we even uh, have a surplus and we're investing that surplus right now into literacy, a literacy program. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have a great financial need right now for uh, our ministry. Um, if people did want to support, uh, we have a blog, hairtranslation.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the right, there's a, a banner you can click on. Um, one really neat opportunity and need that we do have, I always say when people ask us what our greatest need is, is our need, greatest need is help. Uh, we just we just long to have more missionaries helping because we have way more work to do than we can, um, and so I'm not I, going anywhere right now. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just that would leave me with way more work. Exactly, <laughs> it's yes. a balancing act, right? <laughs> uh, so I I would just you know encourage people you know if you. Uh, yeah, if you meet people that are interested in missions or, or, or love languages, you know, things like that, encourage them to think about it so that because there's it's not just us that have a great need. It's it's every missionary I've ever met, you know, right. 
Um, there is a, uh, an opportunity. There's a couple, Dave and Amanda Ernst, that are joining our team right now. Uh, Dave is actually an artist. He's uh, an animator by trade. And he is going to start producing animations for each of these Bible stories that we um, are translating. Right. Excellent. Mm -hmm. And then we are going to take those animations and project them in every village mm -hmm. and use those as opportunities to teach people who will never learn how to read. So Dave is currently raising support. Yeah. And uh, he has a, a blog, uh, whenironfloats.com. And you can check that out, Dave Ernst. And uh, he is, uh, uh, that would be the biggest blessing to us of anything. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any other questions? I'm st I'm still actually curious. It, maybe this is a really low level thing, but so you're working on or had developed the script for them. Mm -hmm. um, it, is it derived based on a, a major language group or a social group or in the area, like a script that is well known, or did y'all go something completely new? Yeah, we we asked uh, the people what they wanted. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, you know, there's to a certain degree, I think they'd like to have something completely brand new. Okay. But it's like, if you go with that, you're going to not be able to ever text message your friends in Kwaku. You sure, know? sure. Um, and it just makes things really hard. And so uh, there is actually a recommended writing orthography writing system that comes from the Cameroonian government. Okay. And they would love for every all of the languages to write it in one way so that you could switch between, if you know speak multiple languages, yeah. you could switch between different yeah, writing close, different right? languages yeah. and just be able to read. And so one of the options we gave them is do you want to just follow what the government uh, is recommending? And they said yes. So it's okay. basically the recommend it's it's based on the Latin script with a okay. few so, a okay. few differences. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's I, with it being uh, French heavy in the area. I guess that's not even that's not surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, e it. that's, that's sort of, it. I know, I know that was really the English alphabet is in the Latin script as well, and so is the French yeah. for the most part. And so it yeah. just looks like French or right. looks like English yeah. for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Well, we praise the Lord for you. Thank you, and Stacey, and for the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, Going to close us in just a bit of prayer. Yeah. Sounds good. Right. Great. Let's yeah. pray. Heavenly Father. Uh, uh, we give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise uh, for the work that you're doing uh, through Dave and Stacy and others. Um, we stand amazed at some of the stories. Sometimes, Lord, you know uh, that we can uh, get consumed with our own communities, our own surroundings, and... Um, our eyes can be taken off of the, the fields uh, of the, the world. And, and so it's just so refreshing. It's encouraging. Uh, it is alerting uh, to have Dave here with us, to have heard uh, just a few of these things. Um, and so I just pray. I pray for, for myself, for George, for uh, this church, for the folks that will be with us uh, for, for corporate worship tomorrow. Uh, Lord, we, we ask that you would uh, challenge us through Dave, um, the things that he has to share. Would you please edify, strengthen, fortify, uh, but, but charge, give us a, a fresh charge uh, to, to know you, to have a, a passion, uh, to see people come to know you, to know the gospel, to, to know the word of God. Uh, again, what a, what a, what a gift a gift uh, inestimable uh, that you have given to us in the living and active word. 
And, and so we thank you so much for Dave and for Stacy. We, we pray for them, uh, pray for their ministry, ask that you would give them all of the continued resources, just as you've been doing for a decade now, that you would continue uh, to bless them, uh, not just with uh, the financial resources, prayer resources, but people resources, people to be on their uh, team there to help them with uh, translation work and just pray that again through them. We've already we're hearing things like you know folks are getting saved and ones uh, maybe going to be coming into uh, pastoral ministry eventually, and it's just uh, incredible. It is incredible, and, and so we just pray that that uh, these stories would be multiplied uh, by by the dozens, the hundreds, the thousands uh, in the years ahead, and uh, are just so thankful, so thankful that you you do love this people and uh, that you're working amongst them and that you're utilizing Dave and Stacy to that end. So I pray that you would continue to encourage them, to mobilize them, and to use them. Uh, we ask it for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah,